With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. He looks determined without being ruthless. Something heroic in his manner. There's a courage about him. Doesn't look like a killer. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. You don't trust me, huh? Well, you know why. I do. We're not supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. Peace, 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 and welcome to The Rematch, which is part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. On The Rematch, you'll hear in-depth interviews with notable names from all walks of life. Because sometimes the media just doesn't get it right. The rematch is that second opportunity to clarify, put things in proper context, correct fake news or misreported controversy. The media still exists as the most powerful entity on earth because they control the minds of the masses. I'm Atan Thomas, and the full truth is what we are aiming to catch. Many media stories omit details that would dilute their clickbait roar. And that's why there's a need for the rematch. On this special voting edition of the rematch, we had a panel discussion with GM of the Washington Wizards, Tommy Shepard, my former teammate with the Washington Wizards, Roger Mason Jr., assistant coach of Duke University, Nolan Smith, former NBA player, Donald Foyle, and former Syracuse University football player and founder of Black Oranges, Brian Tarrant. We discussed the various ways each of us are using our platforms to fight voter suppression and increase voter turnout in this upcoming election. This is a great discussion. Hope you enjoy. We are here on the rematch voting edition. Thank you all for coming. Um, I, I really appreciate it. We got a great panel. We have a, a GM of the Washington Wizards, Tommy Shepard. We have uh, Nolan Smith, assistant coach with Duke. We have uh, Roger Mason Jr., my, my former teammate. So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this discussion. And one of the things that we want to discuss, um, we want to really discuss voting and what everybody is doing for voting. You know, this is a really important election. And so I have to say for, you know, the purposes of um, basketballnews.com, um, we're going to keep it without, you know, saying particular uh, a candidate. We have, we're not going to necessarily endorse a candidate. That's what they want me to say for basketballnews.com. So I'm just following directions. But um, we can talk about the issues and the importance of this time with voting. And I, I, I really wanted to uh, start with um, Tommy Shepard 
where because I, I see that the the Wizards are doing something pretty monumental, something that they've never done before as far as voting efforts and and um, making sure that everybody has a place to cast their vote. So, uh, Mr. Shepard, how are you doing, sir? Well, we're just we're one team out of so many, you know, Aton. There's there's over almost 85, 88 places across the country that sports venues are being used. There's 20 in the NBA, and, and we're going to use Cap One as a super center for voting. That's something that, you know, I give the NBA so much credit, the Players Association, everybody came together, particularly after uh, the unfortunate, you know, there were so many different incidents. But when we were in the bubble down in, in Orlando, that this was something that came as a result of when they actually were, uh, we canceled two days of games over the Jacob Blake situation as we should have. And, and they met with the ownerships and, and I think at everything that they laid out, what we need to do better, what we can do more of, this is a result of that is, hey, let's all use our arenas. You know, arenas are very easy to get to, in and out. There's great transportation hubs around it. It makes all perfect sense to use those as super centers to vote. Uh, I, I think the, the NBA has been a leader throughout this entire time and really pushing for the vote. Uh, we, we are part of, um, you know, so many people that are connected to this. And I, I don't want the Wizards to get credit compared to everybody else as, as uniters. But I think it's a huge thing for D.C. to have that. And I think Cap One, it's going to be a fantastic sight to see on Election Day. I, I think that's great, you know. And, you know, Nolan Smith, I want to talk about what you're, what you're doing in, in Duke. And, um, you know, we, we saw Coach K give a, you know, passionate um, address after George Floyd's murder. Um, and we just saw that the changing in the climate uh, on the college atmosphere as a whole. So tell me about what Duke is doing as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got we got very active. <laughs> That's the main thing. We started having all these uh, these conversations uh, with the brotherhood. All of our former players got together. The main thing we said to coach in our program was like, we have to be mm -hmm. about action. We can't just be putting out statements and videos and. You know, stuff like that. Like, that's one thing I wasn't going to go for, was just some phony statement and then sitting behind a desk. Um, one thing we wanted to do is apply pressure. And we knew that with our fan base and around the country, we could really do something special during this time. And voting was obviously, first and foremost, the biggest thing that we could do as Americans and as athletes. We knew we could really, you know, hit our fans and make sure everybody got registered, got out and voted. And we, so we partnered with uh, When We All Vote dot org got involved with them and really that charge was led by todd singleton former duke player um reggie love who obviously worked for uh, mr president obama and then uh nate james they were they were leading leading that group and we put out a we, we ended up starting a website um put out a video about voting which asked a whole bunch of questions but the main thing was love versus hate like you said we're not trying to steer anybody on who to vote for but we asking the questions, <laughs> right. love versus hate. Um, it was it was a bunch. It was a bunch of questions, but that was the main one. And we put that out, and it was a great response from our fan base, and just really trying to encourage everybody. And as far as our players, there are all of them have already voted. You know, just making sure our players know that you know as they get older, to make sure they continue to vote. You know, it's it's their greatest tool and greatest power that they have is the vote. I think it's fantastic. And, you know, my man, Brian Tarrant, you know, he started a group uh, on Syracuse that I'm proud to be a part of called Black Oranges. And um, it's a collection of different uh, Syracuse alumni athletes, black and brown. Um, and we're kind of use our collective power 
to really, um, you know, make a difference on campus mm -hmm. and throughout the entire country. And Brian, talk about all the efforts that we're going to make here on, on Syracuse campus in particular, and then also abroad, uh, really urging people to go out and vote. Okay. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, cool. Because uh, you know us old guys uh, with all the technology. So <laughs> you ain't that old. Stop that. <laughs> uh, no, I appreciate you guys. You having me? Uh, I feel like a fish out of water with all these basketball guys around me. Uh, but yeah, Black Orange is. We started that uh, back in uh, late June, early July. Uh, we kicked off July fourth, and uh, the purpose of Black Orange is was really just a just a answer to the call. I mean, everybody started asking. I mean, I'm sure as all you guys know, after the George Floyd thing, everybody started asking, you know, what they could do and how they could help. So we created Black Oranges as an answer to that. And since then, it's grown. Um, you know, since we started, uh, there's a few of us that are a part of a task force for the athletic department. And uh, that is basically helping with uh, the climate of, uh, of, of the student experience. So, you know, we're talking about bringing people back and doing, um, you know, doing mentorships, doing speaker series that, you know, the, the, the show kids different careers that are out there. And uh, one of the things that, you know, with the help of Eton, we were able to strike up a conversation, have a town hall with uh, the students that uh, had to deal with a lot of, you know, racial aggression last year and, and a little bit of disappointment with uh, the school not being transparent and helping. And then somehow, uh, it turned into, you know, uh, the security versus the students. So uh, we're trying to be mediators in this whole thing. And uh, I think we've done a great job with it. We have a, a town hall coming up where we, we actually have an opportunity to talk to the chief of uh, the Department of Security. And he's going to lay out his plan of how he's going to repair the relationships with the black and brown students there. But that's that's kind of what we've been doing in a nutshell for now. You know, you know, I think it's great the way athletes are, you know, I mean, and y'all all know me, y'all know me for a while, but this is this has always been my thing. You know what I mean? It's always been my passion. And it's just really great seeing this growth and this, this boom of athlete activism and athletes using our, their voices all across the country. So I think, you know, it's it's a wonderful time. And Mace, um, you know, the, the Player Association has really done a lot. And I think it's it's really interesting because before there was some misreporting going on as far as you know NBA players being registered to vote and things of that nature. And you know we got we got it all straight. And I, I saw your post the other day of the um, MBPA, you know, proudly uh, boasting how many players that they got to vote even in the bubble. Um, yeah. so just talk about that effort and how and how you know every, what everybody has done uh, to really get that word out and get the players involved. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, first of all, you're right. Thanks for having me on here. Uh, I remember back when I was young in the league, you were a leader in in these topics, in these conversations early on before it was even, you know, quote unquote, popular to talk about the importance of voting. So kudos to you for that. Um, but I, I think, you know, I think Michelle Roberts and and, and uh, Cherie Deans and, and the executive committee, um, they've really been leaders and pioneers in, in helping the players uh, understand and get the word out on how important it is. I mean, obviously we were all quarantined and saw um, up close just what was really going on in our country. And, you know, the one way that we can combat that is that is at the polls. And it's not necessarily just every four years when it's time to vote for a president, but it's at the local level. And so I'm uh, super proud of our, my NBA brotherhood and, 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 and the guys, 95% of the league um, has voted, which I just think is terrific. And that, that number 
I couldn't be more proud, um, you know, to be a former player and to see that. But, you know, this younger generation, um, you know, they realize the power of their platform, the power of their brand. They're not afraid to use it. They're not afraid of how it impacts, you know, them and their brands or them making money or they understand the greater good. And, and I think, you know, it's an encouraging sign for uh, the young athlete. As far as the video you're talking about, it was great. Um, we had Chris Paul, Wesley Matthews, Thaddeus Young, um, all speaking about the importance of voting. Uh, even had my football brother, Justin Tuck, mm -hmm. on there, um, as well as uh, Danny Green and Quinn Cook, who had just won a championship, but actually took the time in the bubble to do a video for, for my company, Vaunt. And we, of course, did that with Black Men Vote, which is um, also um, you know bipartisan, but really just encouraging everyone to uh, to vote. I mean, I think that's great. Um, and, you know, what, uh, Donald, I mean, you you're somebody who has been really pushing for um, young people to really get involved in the political process and teaching young people. And I think it's great. Do you still do the, the, the organization that you had, Democracy Matters, that you started a long time ago? Yeah, you know, we've known we go way back to college. You know what I mean? So I've known the stuff that you've been doing for a long time. But we talk about the importance of getting young people uh, in the process and teaching young people about voting. Yeah, I mean, I think there's kind of a hypocrisy in this country that we really want young people to be involved, but we don't want to give them a seat at the table mm. to, to bring their issues to the table. So Democracy Matters initially was this idea that it's not so much about blue and red, it's really about access. If you think about an issue you care about, really having access to the political system is the only way that that issue could be addressed on a large scale. Mm -hmm a lot of charity work in this country which is important but when you talk about systemic change you need to move the government and the only way you could do that is to have access to the system and right now the thing we're not talking about in this election is that this election is going to cost over four billion dollars right mm. we're spending so much money in what is a public good election is a public good and we're treating it like a business where like everybody invests and we spend all this money to influence the people rather than giving people access that look like us, that have shared experience, that are in there making decisions. You know, I tell kids all the time, if you're not at the table where important decisions are being discussed, then you're on the menu, right? And right. I mean, really simple way of saying, cutting through all of this stuff. We need to talk about money in politics, and I know that's gonna be an issue we talk about a lot, but we have to talk about access. And access now is tied to money. So we have to look at this system as a whole and really make changes. We have to pass campaign finance reform laws. Who is in a court matter? I mean, the Citizen 10 United decision that I love, um, unlimited amount of money in our political system, is the reason that we're here and we have um, 501c4 that we don't even know who is giving money to a particular candidate, right? So we have no way of making an informed decision because we don't know who is behind each candidate. So I think we need to have a lot of disclosure. And the first step in order to have access is to vote. So Democracy Matters, we're in about 30, 35 campuses across the United States, and we're registering people to vote, and we're making sure that especially kids that are off campus have an opportunity to go to the polls and find ways of going to the polls. I think that's great. I mean, I honestly think that's fantastic. And, and going back to you, Nolan, you know, uh, on, on the college campus, you know, what is the energy like, you know, when you're talking about, like, when you talk to your guys uh, about voting and the importance of voting, what is some of the feedback and the things that you hear from the players? Uh, really, the main thing is education. You know, there's 
they're so new to this. So they want to be educated on who to vote for, who's at, who's here in, at the local level, either here in North Carolina and Durham or in their state. So I think that's a big thing for me going forward with our players is to continue to educate them. Um, I think y'all said it, young athletes nowadays, they know they know their platform is, is heavy. They know that their brand is heavy. They know that they have an impact on their communities. Um, so I think they, they definitely want to be involved in, in, in many ways. You know, all of our players have been vocal from day one. Some of our, some of our players have even led right. protests during this time, which we've been pushing them to do. You know, if you feel strongly about something, you do it. You know, we're, we're backing you as a program. And they've been going for it. But with this, they've been wanting to get out there on the front lines and get to the polls. And you know, obviously every campus has strict COVID protocols right now, so they can't do as much. But a lot of them have already said, like, look, going forward next year, like, we should do something you know, on campus, we do something in the community of Durham. So they're active and they just want to continue to be educated to, to do more. Brian, do you find that the younger generation uh, are, are a lot more politically astute um, and politically savvy, politically aware of uh, the athletes on campus than kind of you were, they were when you were playing at Syracuse? I mean, because it seems, it seems to me that I don't know if it's a reflection of the times or maybe social media, but it seems to me that young people have so much more act, um, access to information now that yeah. they should be more informed in theory. Um, but do you see that to be true, Brian? Yeah, I mean, I think the younger kids, well, I think it's a tale of two cities, you know, uh, on college campuses, I think the kids are definitely uh, more aware. Uh, you know, you've seen it with uh, some of the, the groups that we worked with, with uh, the SAC, uh, the Student Athletic Council at Syracuse. Those kids are amazing. I mean, they've grown up around this their whole lives. They, you know, they, they, they were teaching some of us things. Right. Uh, but then also, I also know the other side of the half is like, I have some relatives, some nephews and some, some second cousins that, you know, they're, they're not college kids and they have a whole different philosophy of that the system's against them. And, and you know, myself, my brothers, all, all the young people were trying to school these young guys that this is important, but they, it's, it, they're, 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 I don't know, they're, they're very complicit in the fact that they just don't think that this is something that they should be doing and it's a waste of their time. So yes, some young people are definitely more, more, more aware and more focused and, and, and willing to use their voice, which is amazing. But then you have, uh, you know, the kids that are on the other side of the tracks that, that I'm seeing, again, I won't speak for all those kids, but uh, you know, I got enough of them around the country where I'm seeing that they, they just don't feel like there's any place for them in this country and this stuff doesn't matter, which is sad. Interesting, because I've heard that I've heard that a lot, you know, with the younger generation as far as being frustrated with the process. And I mean, you could you can understand why, um, because there's a lot going on. And so I, I've had to, you know, my, my daughter Imani has, has had to watch the debates for her class and she's supposed to study the way to to, um, you know, argue your point to counterpoint. And she's looking at me like, is this the way that it's supposed to go? And I'm like, no, this isn't the way it's supposed to happen. But 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 this was on display for young people. And I, I understand why a lot of young people are kind of, you know, discouraged from voting. But Adonna, what do you tell a young person who, who has that thought and has that feeling that they're discouraged by what they're seeing on display? Well, I think the first thing is that we have to let them know that, you know, the way that you make change is that you have to get involved, right? And, mm -hmm. and I think we have to really, uh, um, I think Roger um, referred to this earlier, really getting at the state level. Like, I mean, I think in California, we experimented with letting 16-year-old vote for the uh, board of elections and so, uh, for the um, 
uh, Board of Education and different stuff like that. So there's ways to introduce kids into the system where you're teaching them, like, think of an issue that you care about. Think of any issue and figure out as a society how you get to solve it, right? And 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 try to do it without the government involved, right? So we have this thing where we, we try to say government is not important. But I'm like, people convince you that government is not important because those are the people that have all the power. So why would anybody want you to be part of that power structure? The mm-hmm. only way you get changed in this country, you have to be part of the system. Is the reason that our loved ones got beaten for years and years for going to the polls, right? So we have to do a better job as well as telling the story of John Lewis and what that means in today's culture. We have to be more connected to the struggles of our past. And we have to look at what we're being taught in high school across this country. There's not a uniform way of teaching our our kids our history. We give them a month, we give them a a, a few days, and that is it. So we have to find a way to really complete this picture with knowledge, right? So when we see John Lewis, everyone should be voting this year. When you look at the legacy of a man who was beaten and yet end up in the very power structure that he fought for years and years, making decisions, that helps every American. So I think we have to understand our power. We have to show them how it's connected. So figure out an issue that they care about and connect it back. I think uh, Barack talked about this yesterday, really connecting them to the issues they care about and show them that it all involves politics, right? That's how you get change that is uh, more universal. I think that's great. I definitely agree. You know, Mace, I, I want to read this, this, um, this tweet that I, that I saw and I retweeted it. Uh, from Tobias Harris. I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was great. He said, I'm a bit confused. He said, so because we play in the NBA and have a salary, we can't talk politics. He said, but how do you earn your salary as a doctor, janitor, lawyer, teacher, plumber, uh, store manager, cashier, entrepreneur, um, server, uh, etc. And that automatically makes you more qualified to discuss politics. And I, I thought this was such a great tweet. And I'm glad that, that the young fellow tweeted it out. Because you know that that you know athletes always hear this stay in your lane thing, this 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 you know you know shut up and dribble, this you know stay in your place, do what you do, don't really venture into politics. And I, I love the way that the MBPA has really taken a, a completely different uh, mindset and role in how they are educating you know the players and telling them you know kind of pushing back on that entire notion. Uh, would you, would you agree with that, or is that what a concerted effort? by the MPPA to yeah. do. No, I 100% agree with that. And Tobias Harris is a leader and somebody that's, you know, wise without, beyond his years. I think, you know, even if you look at the top guy in the league, you know, who everybody kind of follows, and that's LeBron James with the whole shut up and dribble. You know, so many times and for so many years, they looked at us as just entertainment. And while we do do that and we're fortunate to have the jobs that we have, we're human and we're American citizens just like anyone else you know, with our own opinion, having to live in the same laws that everyone else does. So at the end of the day, you know, like I said, these guys understand their platform. They understand that they have a voice, that they have influence. And so they're not going to shut up and dribble. They're not going to just stay in their lane. They're going to voice their opinion. Uh, There's so many young people that look up to our guys, um, so many young people that um, you know, follow them on Instagram, on Twitter, and on all these things. And so seeing, you know, a Tobias Harris speak out uh, against issues and, and talk about the importance of voting, the NBPA has done a terrific job of supporting the players. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that is kind of their goal. Voting 
was a mandate given to them by the executive committee and their player reps, uh-huh. and they're doing a great job of supporting the players every step of the way. You know, it's interesting, and I know I know uh, Tommy Shepard's having some uh, technical difficulties. I over think there. I think I'm back, Katan. I'm not Are sure, but I think I'm back. I'm okay. out of the grave here. I think. We'll see. Okay, cool. We can't we can't see you, but we can hear you. So that'll work and if so- we can just hear you. So that that works. Um, but I, I just want to talk about the you know because the Wizards, you know, I I was with the Wizards at a time where you know it really wasn't as popular for players to be speaking out, uh, you know, politically. And the Wizards were always very supportive of me, even if I was speaking out on a topic that was, say, not the, the, the topic that conventional, you know, mainstream America is going along with. Um, talk about that as an organization of how you've always been supportive of players, and I'm, I'm a testament of it, um, of players really using their voices and using their platforms as a whole. Well, John, I, I, I praise everything that you did as a player and what you've done since. And I think we have to have a, a much bigger role. And we're in the nation's capital. You know, we're one of 30 franchises, but as the, as the team that's in the nation's capital, I think we have to take our responsibility that much more serious. I cannot say enough about Bradley Beal's leadership, Natasha Cloud's leadership, as we, as we all kind of try to figure things out right away. You know, first you had COVID, and then you just had an absolute cascading of events that absolutely forced everybody to rethink what exactly do we stand for and, and what do we really mean when we say hey we're allies or we want we're not going to tolerate this anymore words are old it's all about action and i really am so proud of bradley and, and what, what he was doing but i'm very grateful to, to the nba to the players association to ted leonsis for allowing us to empower everybody to go do what is what is must must be done and i base you touched on it we were in the bubble for 40 days. We, we had Jonathan Williams, one of our players, registered to vote for the first time. All of our players are informed. We took it to a different level where everybody that's voting in their hometowns, working with uh, Malcolm Jenkins and his group, they really helped inform everybody. We, we have a cheat sheet, basically, of all the, the elections that are going on in every player's hometown, and everybody is educated on the issues. So when you're voting for the candidates, you're very informed. And players took that, and they run. I think NBA players are leaders in everything that they've done socially and will continue to be. And especially in D.C., we're always going to embrace it. And I, I'm so proud of you guys, everybody on this call that I've, that I've been fortunate to know. I'm looking at you now when I know you as players and now I see you as grown men and being advocates out in society. I think you all probably took a little piece of that when you live in the nation's capital. It's our responsibility. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I, I want you to touch on, you know, earlier this year, I think right after George Floyd was killed, um, Bradley Bill and John Wall kind of led um, with a, co- a couple of WNBA players and everybody uh, a march in D.C. And I, I thought it was great um, what they were doing and just the image of them marching. And, you know, Bradley Bill gave a passionate speech. Um, he talked about, you know, in that connection with the community. Talk about how important that 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 is for, for them to have done what they did. Well, especially on Juneteenth, and that was the first time we'd all gathered since March 12th when we were last playing and we were last together. So that was the very first time the team gathered back together, and Bradley led the, he certainly led the, the, the march, and, and with his words that day were so eloquent. But that was everybody in our organization standing behind him, and I think we continue to be that 
moving forward. Uh, we have so much more work to do, as you know, a time, but it all does start with the let's let's what can we control? We can control getting up and going voting. That's our social responsibility. It's a sacred time. And I think we should all think about bringing our kids with us so they see it, how important it is, because that's it's generational. You know, if it's important in your house and you talk about it every day, as I know you do, I think that that grows roots and those roots go generational. And that's what's so important. So many players that I spoke with, they said, well, we never voted. I, I didn't know about it. I didn't have people showing me the way. And so now I think you touched on it. Social media has been a tremendous platform to, to raise awareness. And, and that's something that I think we can continue to weaponize in, in getting people out to vote to make sure the education is right there at, at their fingertips. And once that's happened, I think it's taken off. I think it's been tremendous. And I, I can't give Michelle Roberts enough credit for their time in the bubble, their time with the players. And I would put Adam Silver with that and all the NBA ownership groups that, that put their, their arenas out there to do this. I think that's just going to be for the future. We cannot let it go back a ton. I think everybody should have, you know, obviously the election day should be a holiday so everybody can go vote. And these super centers, they got to continue to exist. COVID, if, if one good thing came out of this, none of these arenas are filled right now. So we could do this. If this was normal times, we still got to be able to do this. We got to block the arena on that day around the country. I definitely agree. Uh, very well said. You know, and he touched on uh, Commissioner Adam Silver. And I think that his embrace of um, players speaking out and using their voices and using their platforms has been really tremendous. I, I got to be honest, it, it really has. Uh, Mason, you know, you know, from what you've seen, it hasn't been a, a, a constant struggle, um, you know, like, like it could be. I mean, I don't, you want to talk about, you know, previous NBA commissioners or other, you know, NFL leagues or anything like that, but I could just focus on him. You know, he, he has really embraced uh, the athlete voice. How important do you think that is and how vital do you think that is to what we're seeing today as far as athletes having that 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 safe space so to speak to be able to stand on their platforms and use their voices i think the nba overall with with adam silver at, at the helm it's just they've been leaders in um in, in our culture in the world really and so i think you know you got to tip your hat off to, to adam you got to tip your hat off to um many of the team owners the general managers you know guys like tommy shepherd um, you know, Tim Connolly, I can go on and on and on that understand, you know, Popovich and RC that understand uh, there's more than just what goes on the court. And Adam Silver realizes that the players have many issues and, and many um, aspects of their life that matter to them outside of basketball. And they have an opportunity to be leaders. And, you know, from the first time he got in as commissioner, um, you know, when there was an issue with the LA Clippers, former team owner, uh -huh. He stepped up right away, you know, no hesitation. And, and I think everyone in the NBA followed suit with that. And so when any of these things are happening, you know, it, it, the proof has been in the pudding as far as how Adam Silver has responded, um, how the NBA family has responded from, you know, team presidents to GMs to the players. Um, and it's something that we can really be proud of as former players, knowing that our league is really the leader as far as all professional sports leagues from top down. Um, with these issues and being leaders in our in our community uh, overall. I definitely agree. And Nolan, talk about the same thing with um, Coach K. I mean, because it, it, you know, especially for college players, it, it you know, when, when the head coach embraces and, and supports 
the, the players using their voices, it makes them even more comfortable to be able to continue their voice. The same thing with Adam Silver. It, it creates a safe space for them. Talk about Coach K's uh, influence on in that department. Yeah, no, nah, he was he was great with it. You know, from day one, you know, he, he first thing he started doing was just listen. You know, when he sat down with myself, Chris Carwell, Nate James, he wanted to hear how we were feeling. You know, we told him right away, like, look, coach, we're hurting. You know, you keep seeing these killings, you keep seeing them over and over again on TV. We're hurting. And we said our players are hurting. Brotherhood's hurting. We're all – so he just really – he listened. A guy like him, he, he don't listen often. Mm -hmm. You know, he used to he used to talking and people listening to him. But he finally just <laughs> listened to us. And, for, and from that, man, he just – you know, he said, look, let's, let's do something about it. You know, and for me right here on this campus – be able to throw a protest. I don't know if I already told you this story, Tom, but when I when I did the protest here, when I came in that morning, I wasn't gonna tell nobody. I'm not I'm not asking for permission to do a protest okay. on this campus. I'm doing it. And he came in and he had heard about it. Obviously, it was, I did it right in Kville, and he was like, he was like, hey, somebody's throwing a protest in Kville. Do y'all know who's throwing it? And I said, me. <laughs> and he was like, oh, well, what can oh, I do to help? That's kind of how he's been with everything, you know, trying to be vocal, trying to be seen. We told him at the end of the day, we need strong white allies right. to be the people speaking up, you know, not just us out there mad and yelling and whatever. Right. You know, people have often brushed that under the rug for years. Uh -huh. You know, it's time for the Coach K's, Adam Silvers, and people of that nature to speak up. And we told him that, and he's been on board. You know, he's been very vocal. And to this day, I mean, we haven't stopped. Um, we've had him involved with a lot of the, you know, changes that happened on camp campus, talking with President Price, and, you know, he's he's been involved. I mean, he's about to retire, and one thing he said, he's like, this is something I should stay stay involved with, you know, in my early retirement, um, and we're like, yeah. So he's, he's active and, and fired up to continue to, you know, change the look, and, you know, one thing I'll give y'all, he did say, he has said he wants the first black, the first coach when he retires to be a black guy. Oh, wow. <laughs> right, that's big. That's, that's big, and that's change. Right, right, right. And and Donald, you know, on that same that same wavelength, you know, talk about how important it is for NBA coaches uh, to continue using their voices. I mean, we're getting a handful more. We're getting, you know, Stan Van Gundy has been very. I don't know if y'all follow him on Twitter, but he be on fire sometimes. You know right. what I mean? And Steve Kerr, and you have, you know, of course Popovich. But how 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 important do you think it is for coaches, especially white coaches, to continue to to you know, to use their voice, to use their platforms, to be able to speak out as well on voting, on on police brutality, on on activism, on the whole nine. No, I think it's very important, and I, I think you can see, you know, Steve Kerr um, here with the Warriors and what Pop has done throughout the course of the year. It's a it's a it's a different voice. I think the, the whole concept of ally is a really important concept because. It, there's really a lot of people of goodwill, and I think more than anything else, there's there's just really so much laws can do, right? I mean, we talked earlier about laws. Laws can only do so much. It can't really uh, do anything about a person's heart. So part of our job is to really sell, in a way, you know, our allies. They're doing some of the work for us that we've been doing most of our life. And I think that there is tremendous value in that because 
maybe to a person who wouldn't listen to me, they might listen to, to Coach K, they might listen to Steve Kerr, they might listen to Greg Papa, you know, so there is like, and they may listen to Popovich, they might listen to, uh, you know, to so many different people and they might listen to athletes. So we have to find allies wherever we can find them and really give them access and power you know, just to, to, to kind of be with us, to walk with us, to talk with us, to to be an, an amplifier for our voices and to really carry our story. We always talk about teachers and the role of teachers. Well, a teacher come in and they empower us to be better basketball player, but are they looking out for our mental health? Are they looking out for us beyond what we could provide in the basketball court? And I would think, and I would they say that it is the moral responsibility of a coach that is sits at the head of a lot of black players that they at least be able to reflect the concerns of those players. And I think an organization who's not cognizant of that is an organization is not recognizing the important role that, that those voices are in this ongoing conversation. Definitely agree. Definitely agree. Now, Brian, let me, let me, we're going to wrap it up. We'll end on Syracuse. Uh, you know, I got a little Syracuse fight. But, but just talking about the, the importance of what we're doing on Syracuse campus and the importance of um, Syracuse alumni and the athletic a voice as well on campus because a lot of times athletes don't understand um, especially college the power of their voice until they're away from college till they're till, they're, till they've graduated till they're no longer there and talk about the importance of of everything that we're doing with black oranges and how we're going to try to affect change on Syracuse's campus in many different ways yeah I mean the biggest thing that we, we've done is that we one thing that we've noticed by starting this the, the 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 collection the pool of talent resources and 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 even just influence and money it's it's pretty pretty powerful so you know once we, once we figured out that we had this and and we all started coming together it was it was pretty interesting watching how quickly the school allowed us to come in and have a seat at the table and talk with them uh, so you know one of the things that we want to be able to do is is really be able to show the kids hey listen there you know Yes, you play basketball, football, track, field, whatever. But at the end of the day, when you leave this place, you know, you want to leave in a place where you're able to take care of yourself and be successful. And you have a voice and you have power. So, you know, by them seeing, you know, people that look like them, that talk like them, uh, now they're not, they don't just have to rely on their sport anymore. Now they can see they can go out into the world and, and, and really be able to uh, make an impact. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that we're also doing is, you know, we're pulling in uh, non-athletes as well because, you know, every every Division One campus has the same problem. You know, it's, uh, you know, the, the black and brown athletes, they're kind of here and everybody else is kind of here and we kind of forget about them. And, you know, one of the things that we've did with this with these town halls, you know, of, of, of really bridging the gap between, you know, uh, the, the campus security and the the black and brown students is you know we're showing them hey we're there for them now because because even with some of the student athletes that are there you know they didn't have the issues that uh not again issue which was a, a group that was formed after there was a lot of racial incidences on the campus so you know bringing them into the fold and letting them know hey listen uh you know uh the football players the, the basketball players uh held field hockey players because uh, with us, we've been working with a lot of the student athlete groups and they're all down now. They're all they all know they have a voice and the coaches have let, let, you know, lessened up and and allowed them to express themselves. So all we want to do is just be a resource for them, 
and, 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 and be a sounding board for them. And when we need to put our resources in place to make things better, we'll do that. And, and the biggest thing that I, like I said, I kind of put in the chat room, but you know, I'm looking at, you know, five, I'm looking at these four brothers, these four other brothers on the call and a, and a great uh, ally and, and, and Mr. Shepard over there, you know, what are we going to do? What's that next step where we do what the black oranges are doing, where we actually pull all of our resources, all of our money together. So that way we can have a seat at the table because that's, that's the thing that, that, that makes change in here. I mean, that's why they formed those super PACs. Uh, Don, I think it's a Donald, sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, but that's why those guys have so much influence. That's how they can, you know, uh, suppress our votes, do the things that they do that, that keeps us in our place. But if you look at the, if you look at the black and brown excellence we have in this country, it's pretty astonishing. I mean, we have multiple billionaires now. Uh, and, and look at the NBA, the M NBA. Uh, you know, what are we doing to, to get our best together so that way we can speak, you know, maybe not in one voice, but two voices, but let's, let, let's get something together. I think that's going to be the next progression if we ever want to get away from just, you know, having rallies and protests and boycotting. It's going to take more than that to, to really get real change. And like I said, we, we, we're only seeing on a micro level, but just us pulling together just from black and brown Syracuse athletes. It's amazing how quickly the AD was on the phone with us, yeah. you know, and he reached out to us. I didn't right. reach out to him. Right. You know, the right. fact that I got the AD's cell number and, and I, you know, again, I don't have any records at Syracuse, but yet <laughs> they got my number. Right. They got my number. Right. I mean, just the fact that we're sitting down with the, the, the chief of DPS, you know, I mean, that, that I think that's that's big. And, you know, and they like I, they came up to us. So and that's because of the collective power that we have as athletes. We just have to realize that power. You know, y'all know I could talk about this all day, but I'm not going to hold y'all too long. But I really appreciate y'all, you know, coming on. I appreciate Tommy Shepard taking time, you know, even though his camera wasn't working that great. But we can all I appreciate him taking the time. And really, honestly, everything that y'all are doing um, is an example for younger athletes because they watch us. They watch us more than we even know. You know what I mean? So keep doing what you're doing. Uh, much respect to you. We're going to keep pushing people to go out to the polls to, to, to um, make sure that they exercise their right to vote and to learn about the political process and learn about local elections and locally how they can affect change. So, again, thank you guys for coming on the show today. Y'all be safe in everything that y'all are doing. And uh, y'all have a good night. Appreciate y'all. It's, it's great to see you guys, man. Thank you for listening to The Rematch. You can find more episodes on basketballnews.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can also find my articles on basketballnews.com, along with exclusive content from Kenyon Martin, Vinny Del Negro, James Posey, and more. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Thomas 36 let me know what you thought of this episode and who you'd like to see as a guest. I would love your feedback.